mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? No. <laughs> so because of how multiple i think like at least two times i've said that we never introduce ourselves and i wonder if we should <laughs> um i think it was aaron listener aaron i i give the first name is listener and then it's your name it's like <laughs> Like, ja, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. So I think it was Aaron that said that, oh, you should introduce yourselves one time randomly as, like, uh, Tom and Brittany and just see where it goes. Give this, so, yeah. Uh, so Tom and Brittany here with uh, at uh, Digging Up the Duggars. So we're on episode 43, and this is the Fern episode. Fern is Fern. a uh, kidlet of Jessa. Okay. So Tim doesn't know these things, so I like to give him mm. the little facts. And actually, I kind of wish I'd written down middle names. I feel like randomly I say the middle, na- middle names and the other times I don't. I feel like I probably should have been giving them middle names this whole okay. time, but it's too far gone this time. It's a lost cause. <laughs> Fern. Fern. Um, so I do have a couple orders of business first. Okay. First order of business is that after the initial talk of it being sort of released in december of 2021 we finally got word of the docuseries release Mm -hmm. so sometime in june which means that press and trailers should be starting like any minute now because if we're a month out like it it could be happening right now while we're recording for Mm -hmm. all we know but press and trailers should be happening soon but the docuseries officially has a name now and it's called shiny happy people duggar family secrets Ooh man. So before it was... So it's by the people... You never watched it. It was really good, though. It's by the same people that did the Lula Row, like, uh, Lula Row documentary series. Oh, like, okay. doc series. It was really mm-hmm. good. And so before it was made to sound like it was going to be much more about IBLP, then this title kind of sounds Duggar-focused, but that could still just be a draw-in to talk about IBLP. Correct. So I feel like we'll definitely know more once we see a trailer mm-hmm. <laughs> that'll give us an idea i'm just really interested to see who's in the interviews mm-hmm. because that could be juicy yep. but also just like how surface is it going to be and how or how is it going to be stuff that all of us already know <laughs> right <laughs> because because we're snarkers which to the the general public they don't know these things so to the general public so they'll be, be like in, oh i'd be enthralled and you'd be real bored <laughs> You might even be ahead of the pack just because you're 43 Damn. episodes in. That's saying to this. something. It is saying something. Because Tim is purposely kind of kept in the dark about some of this. You know, he's learning along the way. And actually, one of the things I really enjoy is when we still get comments and messages and emails that still say, I can't wait for Tim to find this out. <laughs> because to me, it's like, even if you know all the shit that I'm talking about, that is part of the draw to me mm-hmm. personally is watching you learn this for the first time because man there is nothing like hearing these stories for the first time like you can't compete with it feels like the very first time pretty much 
So, yeah, I'm just curious to see, like, is it going to be like, yeah, whatever, with some visuals, right? with some interviews that might be interesting, or are they really going to, like, get into it? Right. So, anyways, just happy that we finally have something, because before they made it sound like it was going to be the beginning of this year. Correct. So now it's about a full six months in, so. Shiny, happy people. Second order of business? Mm-hmm. Tim graduated yesterday. Yep, I'm a real boy. He's a real boy. Yep. So in the new job, they have like four weeks of training where you learn food, all the food. So it's Just like, like I the was, restaurant food, yeah. you know, like At working a different stations. location, I was working stations, yep. So I learned how to execute all the food. And then I went to the last two weeks at my actual store. So I came in with the base level of understanding where I knew what the food should look like. I knew how to put it together, you know, so that now I can actually train to be like the chef of the building, you know. So I don't know. I think sometimes Which training. I mean, that's a foreign. <laughs> they they give you so many resources compared to anywhere else I've worked to succeed. Because at the end of the day, that's all they want, you know, and um, so much training and communication and feedback and, you know, no place is perfect. But, man, just to have that availability. Night and day. So there's this big test where they went through all sorts of things. Do I understand the financial processes? Do I understand how to do all these things that have to do with invoicing and, you know, how to attract all of our numbers? And then it was a whole chunk that was on, like, culture What's the culture of the company and what, you know, those kinds of, like, I guess, topics. And then there was a whole chunk that was about, um, you know, facilities. So it was like, where's our gas shut off? Where's our electric shut off? How do you, you know, who do you call if you have a facilities problem? Who do you? So it's like this weird, like, practical test, but then also kind of like a theory test. And there's a whole chunk that's on, like, food and how to build, you know, items off of each station. You had to make, like, a plate off of each station. So I made, like, flashcards because I was like, they're going to ask me to memorize this. And then the guy that I'm training with was like, no, you can use kind of the, we call it a line build, but it, it exactly tells you how to make a dish. Like, for the katsu chicken sandwich, it tells you every step and every amount of how much to, you know, how to make this this plate so i was like oh i didn't know it was an open book test i've been sitting here making <laughs> flashcards like flash an idiot cards and for... you sitting there with mildred studying flashcards on yeah. how many ounces of this is going on this yeah how much for like a butter? giant menu because yeah. the menu is 37 so much, items so much bigger than what he's had before you know mm. like but... yeah but so it was an open book test and that's what they told me they were like why would we provide you with this with these tools and not let you use them. That's stupid. Um, Which is a good answer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it was cool to have higher-ups that kind of think that way. And they were also like, you know, our main, main chef of my brand. My brand was... Um, <laughs> look, look what they're specialized. <laughs> um, you know, he told me, he was like, how long have you been with the company? And I'm like, six weeks. And he was like, the thought that we would heck, we would ask you to memorize the entire menu in six weeks is stupid. He was like, that's down not to the ounceage of every little thing. <laughs> yeah. He was like, that's not the point of this. You know, we want you to be we're more interested in you checking the food that's going out and taking care of your team rather than rote memorization of how many ounces are in a kitchen spoon of zucchini. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So Super he passed. Cool. He's a real boy. 
Yep. And they gave him. He got a nice little gift. He got a cutting board. Yep. Is a um the the training and um recruitment people gave me a cutting board that has a carved uh almost like a branding. It kind of looks like yeah yeah logo branding. of the, of the brand that I work for. And then um the front of the house team got me um a really nice Headley and Bennett apron. Which, if you don't know, those aprons are like 160 and plus and up for an apron. You yeah, know. that's crazy. They're like shit. I know it sounds like dumb, but they're this like chef big. engineered. Yeah. yeah, this is like big stuff. Yeah. Um. So they gave me one of those, and then the uh the management team at the store got me a really nice Japanese knife, Which and is, then yeah. Well, like what a different world. I was like, they kind of tricked him into getting his gifts too, which is kind of a funny story, which I'll let you tell you in a second. But it's just like, what a different world where it's like, oh, there's actual training. And then like, look at what you got. Like, look at what we got you. Like, you know, like really nice Mm -hmm. industry Mm -hmm. stuff, you know, so I don't know. And practical. Yeah, we got to the very end. Um, You know, on certification day, there's always a bunch of higher ups. So they were all kind of, you know, participating and floating around and. They, when I was done, they shook my hand. They congratulated me, and um, our GM was like, "Okay, if we, if you guys don't have anything else, um, we just have one more thing. We gotta, um, we're gonna go into this, you know, this room, um, and we gotta show chef to make sure you know how to shut off the electrical." And I was like, "Nobody ever showed me how to shut off the electrical. <laughs> like, I know how to do it because I worked at the power plant for a while, but I'm like, I don't." know no. where this is yeah <laughs> so there was like a mid level of like freak out and then when we went to the room like the serving staff and a couple of the cooks and like people were kind of waiting in there and they cheered them cheered me on so cute and then like <laughs> yeah. tim's like one of the sous chefs was uh off and like he sent me a screenshot of her text and was like good luck today chef i'm like oh look at you already making yeah making connections she was on vacation vacation like, not know. even just off there you yeah go. and at like 9 30 she texted me and was like you got this chef <laughs> so sweet yeah anyways that was a long way of saying that tim is on to the next step of his new venture which i know i appreciate that you guys are so invested and in rooting him <laughs> on so that was yeah. a long story but tim is a real boy now I'm a real boy <laughs> All right, are we ready for the actual episode now? I think so. So the episode is called Duggars and Dixie, and it premiered July 14th of 2009. Mm-hmm. The episode begins with Boob explaining how the mayor of Pigeon Forge has invited the family to the 75th anniversary of the Smoky Mountain National Park and to participate in the Dolly Parade. Mm. Our girl. Not our girl, Dolly. The camera guy is asking Michelle... When they're supposed to leave, and then it cuts to a talking head of Lego explaining Duggar time. Yep. So later on, I feel like we kind of get more into the Duggar time, but I felt like we could already like mark the square on our bingo board mm-hmm. just for saying Duggar time. Duggar time, yep. <laughs> All right, let me find it on my square. Because here's the thing. Lately, I've actually not been marking off my squares, so I know if I get a bingo on it. So it's a surprise while we're doing it. Where the fuck is it? Oh, there it is. Jesus. Okay. So it's a surprise. Like, cause I kind of know like what the squares are. So I write, I highlight them in my notes, mm-hmm. but I want it to be a surprise if I get an actual right. bingo or That's not. funny. So the cameraman asks if Lego has packed yet. And she says, no, uh, Joanna has put three pairs of socks in there. So daddy's halfway packed. 
and she just kind of like awkwardly chuckles. Yeah. Because it's like she's just like, oh yeah, he's a he's a fucking mess. He's a mess. <laughs> it's like let me not say that he's a fucking mess. So it's like, um, well, there's three socks in his <laughs> in his suitcase. And then I just wanted to. This is a total side note. I don't even know if you would have noticed this, Tim, but there's just like little scenes of them the kids just kind of running around playing around the house yeah the fucking filthy ass feet i figured that's what you were gonna oh, say oh you knew it i saw it oh my god there's like one of the boys i can't see it's the back of a head and they're like on some sort of like scooter ride on type toy mm-hmm. and his fucking feet they're <laughs> filthy mm-hmm. and like there was another one where we see them like in getting into bed that one night, you know, or they're yeah. like filthy. I'm like the filthy feet in this house. It's just like, <laughs> God, it, it, that is a thing for me. I can't stand the filthy feet just like running around, getting in, like touching fabrics with your filthy feet. Get out of here. Go wash your goddamn feet. Go mop a floor. And if you're not going to mop your floor, wash your feet before getting in. Like, you know, I don't know. It's a thing for me. So Lego has to um, take in the bus. Their big old tour bus. Mm -hmm. Because he says that he's kind of like inspecting the tires and it looks like one of them is dry rotted. Which Can you tell that? Could you tell by looking at that 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 was dry rotted? Yeah. Oh, I don't fucking know. Yeah. I I was like, oh, is he just like really good at this stuff? But you know? (laughs) You can can see it. There's a, a specific type of like cracking that starts to happen in the rubber. Well, maybe you should go look at the tires of Cami Corolla after we're done because I would have no fucking clue. So, um, so yeah, so he's going to take it on because it takes it in because they look like they have dry rotted. And while we don't get to hear the classic by you save the difference, mm. so we don't get a bingo square, he does talk about haggling prices. He tells a story about how like, oh, if like a hotel is $100 a night, he'll offer $35. Like, which to me, that's like insultingly low. Mm-hmm. that's insulting at that point i'm believe me i am a bargain bitch i am a bargain broad <laughs> mm-hmm. i am frugal i look for a deal but to me um asking for that like to yeah. walk into something that that's you're being a dick at this point mm-hmm. like for and real. i put that on there like he presented it like it was sound financial advice it's just annoying like as a business operator and I have a story to tell that kind of showcases what this looks like. So I was the chef of um, a really big like nuclear power plant here in town. Or here, or just outside of town. And we used to do all their catering. And we had one guy that we did a lot of catering for. He was like a training like manager. So whenever they had people that would come through and do classes and training, he would order food from us, catering. And we did a lot of work with him and we gave him good deals on things because we knew that he was going to give us a lot of business. So it's like we'd take off, you know, set up fees and, you know, hey, this one's really big. We're going to we're going to do it on on better, uh, you know, in chafing dishes for free or whatever. You know, like we would give him the hookup. And I remember like six months into us working with him, we realized that he was starting to ask for a lot of free stuff with every single event and our catering lady ended up telling him like look we're doing this because we have that business we're already giving you a deal 
you know. And you're so, just asking for more and more and yeah. more and more. <laughs> and the cross line, like the the crossing of the line, happened because he sent an email to our company that was like, oh, you know, we, you know, they do a really good job, and we, you know, we like the product that we get, but you know, it just seems like it's way overpriced, and it's, you know, and I remember us kind of confronting him about that. We were like. Our corporate office is telling us that you're sending them emails that we're charging you too much. And he was like, well, you know, you know, everybody's everybody's going to try to get some stuff for cheaper. You know, it doesn't hurt to ask. And I was like, yes, we're going into that exact verbiage. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, yes, it does hurt to ask. Sometimes you're fucking Mm -hmm. insulting. Mm -hmm. There's not just trying to save money. And then there's you're insulting the people's work. Yeah. Like and we would be giving them. Sorry, just now I'm on it. There's a. We would be giving them meals that had like beverages, like a salad of some sort, starch, protein, vegetable, and then usually some sort of dessert. And when we did the price on it, it ended up rounding out to being like fourteen dollars a person. That is so cheap. Yep. So cheap. Yep. And that was part of a negotiated price that the management or the the owners of the power plant had negotiated with us so if we were doing that for somebody off the street we would obviously charge more but it's like you're already getting a deal now we're giving you a deal on top of that and you want a third deal Mm. on top of the two deals yeah because yeah because lego hair specifically says like if we need something we call around town and then we talk to we find out what the price would be but then we find a decision maker and we asked them to take to give us a discount. Yeah. Like that's such like oh that is so annoying. Well, kind of going off of like my per- my end of this is for example, with my vintage stuff. I initially post everything on like my Instagram. That's like my main place. Like if I could post everything there, I would if I could sell everything from there first, I would. Mm-hmm. Just because that's where I can give people the best deal. Correct. But then after a week, I wait to see if that hasn't sold. Then I start listening to online platforms where I have to raise the price a tiny mm-hmm. bit to take into effect, like account the the fees that come with them taking out of my cost. Anyways, correct. So there's a cert- one of the platforms that I sell on. You can't send you you can send offers right for less, and I accept offers all the time. I'm not like I'm I'm not a, completely against it. Correct. But. There's a certain thing built into the system where you cannot offer below a certain percentage of the price. And mm. that's when I get messages. And I'm like, if you have to send me a message because the offer system won't let what? you send it, you're sending an insulting fucking offer, you asshole. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. And I'm like, that's a, that tells you right there. If it, the system doesn't let you, there's a problem. There's a sign. Yeah, that's a sign. <laughs> There's saving money, and then there's just, like, being a dick. Mm-hmm. Like, asking for 75% off yep. or, like, 65 Like, no, mm-hmm. you're just being a dick now. Like, come yep. on. There are still costs to cover plus profit. Like, come on. Yep. So, he, oh, go, go ahead. I was just going to say he brings up, like, uh, like hotels specifically. Yeah, that's what I was saying Do earlier. It. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, he asked for $35 if it's $100. I'm like, that's asking for a shit. 65 percent off yeah and then he's like yeah and they have a they have a walkout rate where if if you're not going to take their deal and you're going to leave that they'll give you something even lower and it's like you're just a douchebag <laughs> yeah they're like again i'm a frugal bitch myself yep. but there is a line to cross where mm-hmm. you're insulting people's work <laughs> like, mm-hmm. 
That's in the food industry. That's the equivalent of people putting things in their food to get it for free. Oh yeah, it's like they eat the whole thing except for a qu- like not even a quarter, like an eighth of it, and they're like, "There was a hair in my food." <laughs> yeah, they put a hair. I've seen screws go into. Yeah, like you didn't know there was a fucking screw in your meal until the last bite. That's the yeah. size of like two, like an yeah. inch. Can I tell one story? Yeah. This is the change story, if you remember this. So, um, oh yeah. <laughs> so at one of the hotels I worked at before, um, we had a woman send her salad back because she said she found change. She shed. She shed. You said she, she was shed. In, she was in her she shed, <laughs> and uh, she got seashells by the seashore. Exactly. Um. So we get a salad that has probably a half cup of the ingredients of the salad on the in the plate and then there is a dime and two pennies. Like that would just show up in the salad somehow on the line with cooks mm-hmm. like like now that's my, just so plausible. Yep, my favorite part is this. We don't send our salads out. We send our salads out dressed unless Unless requested. So we get, have a bowl and we have our, our greens on the line. And then we have all the ingredients on the line. And so you put clearly those in a bowl. your cook sprinkled in some change <laughs> is part yep. of the ingredients. Yeah. He had a pan of change on the line. Um, <laughs> so you put in all the ingredients in the bowl and then you put however much dressing and then you dress it in the bowl and then you put it on the plate. And then you put garnish on it, and then you send it out. So if this change was in this salad from when this when the cook made it, you're telling me at no point in the cook putting this into a metal bowl did it make any metal noise? A little clink or clank, right? Maybe right. And then them dressing it, so mixing it around with their hands. Once again, there was no abnormal metal on metal noise. And then they put it on a ceramic plate, which there was no abnormal metal on ceramic noise. And then it went out and we sent it out with change. Do you, do you know what my favorite part of this entire thing was? Oh, hit us. The change was completely clean. No dressing on it. There was no fucking dressing Just on that Just set jade. on top, right? It might have well had pocket lint on it. Like, it was so... <laughs> Not feasible that we dress this salad with fucking 12 cents and change. Take your 12 cents and leave. Like, it's it's so, it's unbelievable what people will do. For a $16 and salad. If, this is what I'm saying, is if you ever think that, like, people in the service industry are just curmudgingly in assholes, this is why. Yeah. This is why, because this is what they deal with, and it's so absolutely... I mean, preposterous. it's preposterous. It's yeah. disrespectful. It's preposterous. And this is what you deal with. And what do they get? Their fucking meal for free. Yep. That's what happens. Yep. We had a... I love that story just because it was so ridiculous. Sorry. <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox. We'll, we'll, we'll head back a little bit. So, it's no buy used, save the difference. <laughs> but Lego does hit us with, quote... A lot of times you have you have not because you ask not. <laughs> so we got a new little uh, there you go. little spiel from him. It's yeah. it is no by used, but you know there's something there. 
Oh, man. So we once again see Ginger and Jessa doing all the work packing for the entire family. Um, it's just a sea of clothes everywhere. Like, yeah. have, like just covering couches. Lots of stacked polo shirts. Did you happen to catch something with the clothes during this part by any chance? I'm just asking. It's Probably a very vague not. question. Okay. Very vague question. But there's a stack of boys' pants. And I, I believe that they are new. Okay. Because there is those long stickers. Okay. On at least two of the pairs. Mm-hmm. It's a little confusing to me because one pair kind of looks like cut off in a way. I'll, I'll do it. This will go in visuals for for a fucking <laughs> fact, for sure. Okay. But it has those long stickers, like when you buy a brand. You know what I'm talking about? Like down yeah. the leg. Yeah. And so I'm like, that is not like where else would they get a long? It's not even just like they like put a sticker on it going like this is for Jed, this is for blah blah blah. It is one of those long ones. To me, that is very telling of a new product. Maybe they went to an outlet store. So here I am. I'm always here to, you know, if there's anything I'm doing here, it's pointing out anytime they buy something new. <laughs> That's true. That is like and dirty my lo- feet. That is yes. Those are my <laughs> lots in life. They're fucking filthy ass feet. Yeah. And new products yeah. like those shovels. Remember those shovels? <laughs> new. Oh man. <laughs> but Ginger says, "quote I love packing," and the producer says. Nobody, Nobody loves, loves packing. packing. <laughs> and she says, I do. And they ask, what, what is it that she loves about it? And she says, quote, I don't know. I just don't like unpacking. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. So if, yeah. if you can be on the other side on that you don't, side. you hate a little less, mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, who's helping with the unpacking? Probably still Jessa and, Jessa and Ginger. You know what I mean? Say, it's not yeah. like it gets, I don't imagine it gets her out of anything from doing it on the front end. I don't think she gets out on the back end. If you're an older Doug girl, you're fucked. <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah. if you put in effort front or back. Yeah. You're going to do it all. Of course. So there's a really random scene that it's really got no context at all. And just suddenly Michelle is talking to the camera saying that sometimes the kids get distracted and have accidents. Because they don't want to stop what they're doing to go to the bathroom. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It just kind of feels out of nowhere. But the funny point uh, part is that she's saying that it's... She's saying this like to the camera. And then it sort of turns into what she's saying to the camera, but as a voiceover type thing. Yeah. And while we watch, Jackson is putting underwear on his head. <laughs> it was. It seemed like very out of place. But I, I guess you remember Michelle calls it underclothes. So he's putting <laughs> underclothes on his head, not underwear. Because <laughs> underwear is like defrauding, but underclothes, it's fine. Of course, yeah. But it is just this like random scene where we're like, oh, okay, you're talking about kids peeing their pants and he's putting underwear on his head. Why are we yeah. doing this? It felt like they needed to either pad the time or they had cut something else and they were like, shit, what do we put here? Because it's know? not even like it was like, oh, we just showed a scene of a kid peeing their pants, which I would be a, I would be against because that's kind of ex- unfortunate to show a kid peeing their pants. Of course. But it's like, if so it almost feels like a kid pee their pants. But they didn't show that, and then they just start talking about it. It's mm-hmm. just, like, really weirdly, like, yeah. integrated. Can I have a go back? Oh, yeah. Um, This is where the phone belt clip is. Oh, When they're walking yeah, yeah, into yeah. the tire okay. store. I'm glad you said that, because mm-hmm. I don't have that on my bingo board. So, walking to the tire store. Yeah, walking to the tire store, you see the phone belt clip. I, don't, I feel like it's so much pressure. When I'm on here, I cannot find the fucking well, square. W- so... 
we Whitney's that person that needs to get every like if we're going on a trip or something, everything needs to be ready like in her head I think perfect time is 5 days in advance. Um but like the <laughs> no, day before stop. the day before is perfect. Like you have most of your stuff packed. Um you know, if we're going on like a car trip, it's like check your vehicle, make sure we're not going to have any issues with like dry rotted tires and that's just in like a family sedan if we had a bus and we were going to be taking i just want to say my friend maddie makes fun of me because her family's from payson which is what how long an hour and a half from here yeah maybe and like she goes to payson like it's nothing like every other day and Mm -hmm. for me she's like if you were going to payson you'd be like gotta check the tires and i'm like you're not, she's not wrong. That's true. You'd be going to Tempe and you'd be like, will you check Dude, my literally, fluids? I would go to some of Tim's work events and I'd be like, I need to check my tires. Yep. That was not wrong. <laughs> He'd go there every day for work and I was like, yep. I better check my tires. Yep. Of this car that like doesn't go farther out than like five miles from the house. Pretty much. But that's ever, why it feels like, like two a big days deal. A week. That's why it feels big to me. Yeah. So um, that was kind of when we were talking about Duggar time, like that's the... That's the craziest part to me. You're driving on a giant bus on a on a 13 to 14 hour trip and you decided an hour before you were leaving to look at the tires like could you maybe wake up at like 6 and go out and like peep the peep those rubber tires like something? Yeah. But literally an hour before they're supposed to leave then he's like, "Well, now I got to go to the the tire shop." Like, ugh. Everything's mess. just like a lot like a last minute thing. Dugger time. <laughs> so then it's a part where uh, we're we're at the point where they're pretty much ready to go, and it's two hours past when they were supposed to leave, and Josh says that he's thirty minutes out, so they have to wait even longer. And this is where I say that we get to mark off a John David or Joseph speaks uh, mm-hmm. square. Agree. Because John David, he's kind of like messing with something, and he says thirty minutes. Yep. Like kind of like in mm-hmm. like disbelief. So Duggar time slash John David speaks. Both of him and Joseph speak. We'll, we, in this yeah, one. we'll get to that. Yeah. And now for another round of randomness. Right after this, Lego says while looking at Michelle, "Quote, tell you what, can't believe you've had eighteen children. You look like you haven't had any." Yeah. Again. <laughs> random out of nowhere fucking weird which i feel is basically him saying wow you don't look nearly as wrecked as people would expect (laughs) don't you think like that's pretty much what it means so we get another bingo square because Mm -hmm. lego plants a tight-lipped uh tight lip lock on canon so that's one of our feels like it's happening more often yeah feels like they had some producer notes where they were like can you like Pretend like you like each other, and we'll get to it later on. There's a whole other thing later on in the episode. But I just want to say that in these tight lip locks, Lego's crow's feet around his eyes are fucking bulging. And it's always a very loud but very tight, dry kiss. We always make the joke that that's how like old movies were. Mm-hmm. Where there's, there's, their lips are super tight. A lot of movement, tight. but not actual... like. They're like moving their heads, but they're yeah. not really doing anything with their lips. Yeah. In like old black and white movies and stuff. Tim and I do that every once in a while. We kiss each other like we're old. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to kiss me, you fool. It's probably horrific to watch, but Tim and I do it as a joke. We kiss each other like classic movies. Mildred says, "Ugh, gross." Mom. 
Mom. Sick. <laughs> Gross. Okay, so, oh, I just want to say that it was a long one, too. Did you notice yeah. how long? It was really long. It's yeah. very tight, but very it's like long. It's awkwardly held, yeah. Yeah. So after they pull away, he says, quote, uh, like, pull away from the kiss, I mean. He mm-hmm. says, want to have another one? So it's like, fucking Jesus, dude, yeah. we get it. You fucking have sex. Like, you make babies. That's what you guys do. That's your thing. That's your, that, you know, that's your claim to fame. We get it. Want to have another one? (laughs) So they finally hit the road, and we see them stop for gas. Luckily for the fowl community, though, no chickens are chased this time, Mm -hmm. like that early episode. Yep. They're just kind of talking about how now having the bus, they don't have to make so many stops because people can go to the bathroom and, Mm -hmm. like, have snacks and kind of just do whatever they want, walk around. Correct. And Michelle is saying how they can read books, sleep, or watch videos. So then we have Jed, who is showing off the movie room, (laughs) with quotations here, I say. And Jed says, quote, we watch, like, creation videos, like, learning videos. We don't watch all, like, the silly videos. Oh, yeah. Not like the rest of us heathens. It's right up there with, like, when Josiah was saying... Um, how there's nothing to it with like music. Yeah, there's nothing to rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, with Jed, it's like we just watch silly videos. Yeah, we watch like productive, serious things. Nothing, nothing silly. <laughs> and during this all, John David is just sitting there in mm-hmm. the little booth in the back of the bus. Yep. Tapping his pointer fingers on a printer randomly. Why they have a printer on a bus is hilarious to me. They're like traveling and they still have a fucking printer with them. Uh, yeah. And he just kind of gives like a nod and the stupid like smile face that we all give when we pass each other at work on the hallway. Yeah. There's yeah. a there's a whole meme about it, but like that that stupid like fucking like smirky mm-hmm. smile that we give people when we pass them because for some reason we feel like we all have to do it. Yeah. You're it's not like, wrong. Like, what is that? Like, what inside us as humans is like, (laughs) we have to give this stupid smile. But that's exactly what he gives. And then three quarters of the way there, they have to stop and pump the sewage because their family can easily fill it in less than a day. Yeah. And if we hadn't already um, had that single sentence of disbelief earlier out of John David about the 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. we could have still marked off this square anyway. Because Simple Joe actually speaks, mm-hmm. and he says, quote, I'm kind of glad right now that I have allergies. I can't even smell the smell of the sewage. <laughs> oh, Joe. Yeah. So now we're on. To, do you have anything before I move on to the next thing? No. Nope. So they drove all night, and they arrived around 4 a.m., but the house that they're staying at is up on this like huge hill, and it is. like They show it is yeah. on a pretty big, mm-hmm. like steep hill. So they couldn't drive the bus up all the way to the house. So Boob opted to stay in a hotel parking lot overnight. Mm-hmm. So now they're making their way to the house. And there's this big banner on the house mm-hmm. welcoming them. We know they love a banner. <laughs> I I kind of wonder if Pest and Anna will take this home and like hang this in their bedroom or something. Because you remember <laughs> how they had the one from their wedding? Yep. You know, it's like, a, you know main piece in their living room so why not you know free decor (laughs) statement piece yep 
So this house is a big nine bedroom, nine bathroom house, which is mm -hmm. bigger than theirs. Yeah. And so it's enough space for them, plus Josh and Anna. And then Grandma, Deanna, and Amy are also coming along. We haven't seen them yet, but they mention mm -hmm. it. Oh, and Susanna is still there. So remember how we mm -hmm. saw Susanna in the thrifting episode? Susanna, Susanna is clearly like spending a summer or yeah. some period of time, if, whatever it is. I saw her in the bus. Yeah. So yeah. Susanna is staying with Josh and Anna. So she's mm -hmm. there too. So and then Lego is showing Michelle how he broke his tooth the day before on a piece of be beef jerky. Yep. He says that he got the jerky for 75% off. But it was hard as a rock. So now we get to mark off the doctor's visit. Yeah. Let me find my little. We get to mark off the doctor's visit square on our bingo board. Because uh, I, I mean, I not would not have guessed going into this episode that there was going to be a doctor's Agreed. visit. Would you? I mean, like no. they're heading on on a vacation. You're like, oh yeah, like a like, pigeon forge, yeah. yeah. Because he finds a local dentist to have it fixed. Mm-hmm. But my favorite part is TLC snark <laughs> because they put up a box on the screen that reads discount beef jerky, 85 cents. Yep. Dentist bill, $150, yep. which yep. to me, $150 seems cheap as shit. Correct. Yeah. Like that's so cheap. Yep. But I love that they're like, hmm, was that the, was that, that cheap ass jerky worth it? it? Yeah. Does it seem <laughs> worth it? Yeah. You can't buy dental work used. Nope. Sadly not. <laughs> I just didn't... I really did not see this coming for this episode. Mm -mm. So I was legit... I don't even remember it. Like, even though I've watched these before, I was like, I don't even remember this. Right. So now they're at the Pigeon Forge Welcome Center. They're taking photos, and clearly they've been behided, um, invited on behalf of the tourism, like, mm -hmm. board type thing. Yeah. And for exposure. And the guy from the Department of Tourism says, quote, if we can satisfy the Duggars... We can satisfy any family. And then we get a short little segment um, that we haven't seen in quite a while. It pops up for the first time in a bit. It's the camera guys asking people around how they would feel about having 18 kids. Okay. So the verse guy says, quote, it would be wonderful to have that many kids. It really would be. And um, his wife next to him. Does not look as convinced. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> not remotely. And even when he was saying it, I was like, are you just saying this for TV? Like, like I don't even think he's convinced, but his wife is definitely not convinced. <laughs> <laughs> Another uh, lady says, quote, it would be pretty awesome if you've got a, a good solid marriage. And then the last guy, in a wonderful Australian accent, <laughs> mind you, which I'm not even going to try because I'm not good at it. Do you want... Maybe no. you could. Um, he says, quote, the family is the heart of the universe. Good on them. I don't know if, I, if I'd like to have 18 myself. And he had a sweet, like, uh, what do they call it? Like, fishbone necklace? Is that what they call those things? Oh, I didn't even notice. I have no yeah. idea. He had a sweet necklace. But I feel like it's Australian to say, good on them. Good on them. Yeah. <laughs> So the first activity that they're doing while they're, you know, doing all these Pigeon Forge touristy mm -hmm. things is they're going down a big hill in those big hamster wheel type balls. Like the inflatable yeah. ones. Yeah. The only thing is they have the option to go in 
they have the option to go in them with water, which I have actually, have you ever, I never knew that was an option. Mm -mm. I've seen these hamster ball things like many times, but I've never seen the option to go in them in water. So this was very new to me. So they can go in water or they can go without. And if they go without the water, they have to be like strapped in. Correct. So Lego yells to Michelle, quote, hey, Michelle, hey, you're not pregnant right now. So you could do this. She didn't seem enthused about it at all. He caught her in a bad month. She's like, fuck. You know, you know, I'm thinking pregnancy all around is a good thing for her. He probably like messes with her less at night. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to do things. You know what I mean? She's like, fuck. You know, she's probably uh... a little miffed right now. So she does it, though, and I give mm-hmm. her credit. And she... Um, she did the no water version. She did, Yeah, so she was strapped in. And, you know, they all get very motion sick. So Correct. she said she got a little... Que- so the, I guess the difference is when you're strapped in, you really do go like head over, like like heels over head, like you're mm-hmm. completely turning. I guess when it's water, it's a little bit more of like a... You don't they were saying com- it was kind of like a water ride. Somebody yeah. mentioned it was like a water ride. Where so like- I guess I think you don't flip as much. Correct. Like totally turn. Yeah. So she was saying that with hers, because she did without the water, mm-hmm. she did completely go like head over feet, and she was a little bit nauseous towards the end. But she pops out of that little hamster ball um, with her little skirt and like keeps her knees mm-hmm. together. It was like, I'm like, oh, she said practice over the years. <laughs> She her response to it was funny because in the talking head they were like, you know, she said that she's like, yeah, I got a little queasy at the end, and they were like, how was it? And she was like, it was interesting. <laughs> like, yeah, you didn't have a good time. Like, interesting is never good. Like, if you drop, <laughs> right. I always make the comment that if you drop a dish of food in front of in front of somebody, you have them try it, and you're like, how was it? And they're like. Mm, it was really interesting. That's not a they good thing. They fucking hate it. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> interesting is not normally a great thing. No. So now we get another square that we haven't gotten to mark off yet. It's a first timer. Duggars dine out. Duggars dine out. So we get that marked off. Um, we see them at like a diner, cafe, almost like pancakey yeah, house breakfasty type place, place. Yeah. All I got to say is it made me really want a fucking waffle. Yeah, same. I, like, I was watching. I'm like, God, I, all I want is a waffle right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like love a waffle, waffle house waffle, like a pecan God, waffle. God, I love a waffle. A smothered and covered hash brown? Fuck me up. <laughs> one of the YouTube channels I follow was doing a Let's Play of a video game. And one of the guy's dads called. And he's from the South. And he was like, ask, you know... he. The guy on the show was like, are you cool if I take this to the other guy? He's like, yeah, whatever. It's casual, you know. So you hear his dad on the other line. He was like, hey, dad, I'm at work. I'm actually recording right now. What are you up to? And he was like, well, your your mother made pot roast and mashed potatoes and biscuits and gravy. And he's like, and I'm fitting to hurt myself. <laughs> <laughs> so they're fitting to hurt themselves. Yep. So whenever I see good food that like we're about to eat, I'm always like, ooh, I'm fitting to hurt myself. <laughs> So now, you have anything else on breakfast foods? Nope. Or, okay. Other than a waffle. So now they're at a pottery class, like the actual kind 
like where you throw clay like on the wheel and stuff which i just did barely for the first time a year ago <laughs> I-, I took a pottery class in high school but it was like mm-hmm. the pinch pot bullshit or like you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. whatever i my friend had a birthday party at a potter- pottery place about a year ago and i was like that was the first time i used like a wheel and it was really right. fun so in a talking head they say uh lego quote they ask him Quote, was sitting with your wife and making pottery romantic? His laugh was so creepy. Okay. This is t- I'm glad you mentioned it, Tim. Okay. <laughs> I literally put... No, I'm glad you mentioned it. It's creep-tastic. No, because like... Okay, on the, the, on the mm-hmm. tail end of this, his laugh is regular Lego laugh. But that initial laugh that I think you're calling creepy, that's how my dad laughed. <laughs> so i had like major flashbacks and i'm like oh Ugh. my god that's how my dad laughed in conversations at church oh interesting it's not how he laughed at home right but it's how he laughed when he was in a group of people particularly churchgoers Wow. Well. so i was just instantly taken back i'm like oh my god that's my dad's laugh so it's funny for you to be like, oh, my God, this creepy laugh. Well, yeah. welcome to my father, which Tim has only met my father. Twice? No, once. once. It was at that one birthday party. Mm-hmm. And it was on a, It was only because one sister was still talking to him out of the mm-hmm. rest of us that were still not. Anyways, it's a whole fucking story. But, um, yeah, so it's funny that you mentioned that because yeah. that literally is my father's laugh. Because you know what kind of laugh it reminded me of? I remember being in, like, third or fourth grade and in health class going through like sex education and it was like all the boys were in one class and it was that kind of laugh where like you have a bunch of young immature boys and somebody says a word that's anatomical and then they all start giggling to each other that's what that that's what lego hair's laugh reminded me of See, but the reason i say that it's different from his like secondary laugh in this scene that first one i don't know if you're gonna know what i'm talking about without watching it again but it's through his nose his nose scrunches it's like an embarrassed laugh yes that's it yeah it's through his Mm -hmm. nose scrunches and it's like emphasis on the nose that was how my dad laughed when he was in a group with like church people and like (laughs) like it was like through the nose (laughs) And yeah, it just gave me so many, so weird. many flashbacks. That has Ugh. to be weird. And Tim, Tim doesn't even know. He literally met my dad for. We were at a we were at a birthday party. It was my niece. Mm-hmm. It was like her third birthday, and out of there's four of us. One sister out of the four was like the last to mm-hmm. cut my dad off, and so she invited him to this birthday party, and my tactic which was a good tactic to have was if i stick around my mom the entire time he'll leave me the fuck alone because he doesn't (laughs) want to see my mom right yeah but then tim got a call from work so he got up into the he started pacing around you know like when you're on a phone call yeah tim started pacing around the backyard and i just went because he'd been on the phone for so so long i just went over to be like hey is everything okay my dad obviously was watching and like fucking seized the opportunity where I was up and away from my mother because mm-hmm. he wasn't going to approach me if I was with my mom. Of course. 
But he likes, and he came over and he was like, hey, who's this guy? Which is not my dad's demeanor, by the way. My dad is not the, who's this guy? Like, you know, type. I, I miss your <laughs> yeah. ass. But like, he definitely tried to be like the, hey, shake my hand. Like, I'm who cool. are you? I'm cool and approachable. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> that was the only time. And I don't, honestly, besides the point where my dad came up and like, was like, who's this guy? Mm. I don't remember anything else. Do you? No. I just remember that is the only time mm-hmm. that Tim met my dad. And I think you shook his hand and was like, yeah, I'm Tim. Yep. And it's just so funny to think that Tim and I have been together, what, 14 years? Mm-hmm. And that was the one time you've talked, spoken to my dad. Yeah. So, anyways, who knew that this was going to turn into this? And if you're, uh, and if you're a member on uh, Buy Me a Coffee, you know that Whitney has had extensive conversations with my father. <laughs> yep. So anyways, where am I at? Um, this is the pottery class. So we're talking about oh, Lego so here getting was, his ghost so on. So when, um, when they were like, was sitting with your wife uh, making pottery romantic, he, he does his creepy laugh that reminds mm. me of my dad. And then he said, quote, um, I love being with my wife. And if uh, we're making pottery or whatever we're making. Awful. Fucking gross. Awful. <laughs> whatever we're making uh, laughs. And then he says. It's fun. Gross. Get out of here. We get it. We get it. This guy fucks. God. <laughs> fucking. Uh... He's so proud of it. Like, it's like, we know. We yeah. know. And then they cut to Lego behind canon, ghost style. Yep. And. You know, like they're working on the powdery and they have like the saxophone, like romantic mm-hmm. music playing in the background. And Lego is like kissing all up on her neck and ear, and it's fucking sick. You got a video, you got a vision into what she probably deals with. Fucking gross. He probably mauls her at the end of the year. day. <laughs> once a year, you think it's once a year? I guess it would be more than once a year. It's more than once a year, but yeah. that's why I think she's happy to... I think pregnancy doesn't get her out of things, so I think the giving birth does because of those Old mm. Testament days. I think she's really excited to give birth because she gets a fucking break from this... <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> oh, so yeah, he's like all kissing on her, and Michelle says, you're not watching the pottery. And then it uh, gets a close-up on him. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> There's a close-up on him putting his fingers into the middle of the clay. Yeah, this was real. It's gross. It was real weird. And he's, like, tapping her fingers, like, his fingers on her hands and, like, fingers and stuff. <laughs> and while he's doing this, he uh... says, um, get get this close. Uh, get this close. We might as well. Uh... And then Michelle kind of cuts him off and says, Make best use of your time. We're in a giant room with all of our children. It's disgusting. It's <laughs> fucking gross. It's like, but remember, the rest of the world, okay, the rest of the world is obsessed with sex. Yeah. It's like, you're the most sex-obsessed people anywhere. Yeah, you on multiple are- levels, yeah. Yes, it's disgusting. <laughs> Nobody fucking needs this. And then you act like the world is the problem. Right. Fuck off. Put your kid in pajamas. Huh? You know how they sleep in like jeans and polo shirts? Oh. <laughs> Put your kids in pajamas like 
I that's the beginning of this episode too, and every time it comes up, I'm like, God, like how awful. Je- jeans are awful to sleep in. Oh my like, god, I can't even sit on the couch in jeans. The fucking worst. Yeah, and can you imagine like your entire childhood? That's what you slept in. Fuck yeah, that. because somehow that's like more holy than yeah. like pajamas. Miss me with that. So you can, their kids can't, their daughters have to sleep in denim skirts and polos, but you can sit here and fucking manhandle your wife, manhandle and- your wife in front of your children on a TV show <laughs> with like, it's disgusting. Get the fuck out of here. Oh man. Creep. <laughs> you're so, I you're, am. You're all worked up. No, right like now. my, funny. like um, it's, it fucking pisses me off. It's like, you make everybody out to be the problem. You're obsessed with sex. <laughs> No, nobody else is talking about it but you. Yep. You always find a way to talk about it. You always find a way to insert it, Merp. Uh, it's just <laughs> it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so this whole scene is icky. I'm trying to like talk myself Get off a little here. This whole scene is icky. Um, at first, I couldn't believe that I didn't remember this scene. <laughs> But now I'm thinking that maybe I just like purposely blocked this out. Put it out of your mind. Yep. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, let's just let's just forget this whole yep. pottery scene. Ugh, gross for my own mental health. <laughs> I got enough going on in this head of mine. I don't fucking need to remember Jim Bob and his like sexual innuendos and like suggestiveness in a pottery class. I don't need more added to this brain of mine. Anyways. So now they arrive at the Dixie Stampede. Do you have anything else on pottery? There was one Dolly Parton reference. No, but and pottery. So we're moving no, on, no, right? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now they arrive at the Dixie Stampede, or what Tim previously called Yeehaw Medieval Times. Yep, Yeehaw Medieval Times. Yep. Pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. And there's there's not a whole lot. It's just a few clips. Mm-hmm. Not much to really report on. But yeah. That's kind of it. They're just watch. They're just having the, sh- you know, eating dinner, watching the show, and mm-hmm. that's kind of it. There's a there's a point where they're like going up the stairs at Dixie Stampede, and they were talking to Lego at the top of the stairs, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, we're gonna be we're gonna be in the uh, the Dolly Parton parade or the Dolly parade or something." Um, and they're behind him above the stairs. There's a portrait, a painted portrait of Dolly Parton. And the producers are like, oh, yeah, look, there she is. And Jim Bob looks and goes, oh, yeah, there she is. We're going to something like we're going to meet her tomorrow. And in my head, I'm like, you don't like you can't listen to her music. You don't even know anything. Yeah. Her clothing is defrauding. (laughs) So very much, you know, as much as you're here for like family entertainment, like. You don't know or give a shit about Dolly Parton. You know what I mean? You just wanted a free vacation. You'll happily take it. There yeah. you go. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I, they, I wish they would have showed a seed of, like, them meeting. Once again, defrauding clothing. Like, would, you, would they let her around their kids? You know what I mean? Um, this spoiler br- alert. Next episode. Oh, I was hoping. Okay. I was so, hoping I wasn't going to say like, I feel, spoiler I felt like alert. It, I felt like it ended very abruptly. Nope. And I'm like, they did all that with Dolly and they didn't even do anything? So, yeah. Total spoiler. Oh, they meet her next episode. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so See, excited. I, I love when Tim learns these things for the first time. I like. I thought he would have like realized that they meet her. Nope, they meet. I her. assumed, but some of the episodes aren't continual, so it's like some of the episodes we get to the end and it just cuts off. 
Yeah. And so then some we'll of the episodes, they're like, hey, remember that thing that we were doing before? Here's the continuation. So it's not consistent. You know, We will see her uh, amazing bosom next episode. Hell yeah. I love me some Dolly Parton. Dolly's great. Adorable. So yeah. So yeah. You can um, rest easy tonight knowing that <laughs> we will so actually good. see Dolly next week. Uh, it's going to be good. Um, so that's kind of it. That's kind of it. Uh, yeah. They just ended with the Dixie Stampede and that's, that's kind of it. So yep. yeah. I don't have anything else to say to you. There was two things that I realized. Um, there wasn't a lot of pests in this episode and I figured with them going on a trip and like with kind of him and Anna being there, like I thought there would be something. There was no, not really a whole lot of him really saying anything. Which we're okay with. Absolutely. And then with Femi being involved in like them going, there was no Femi other than one scene. She appeared in one scene, but she didn't say anything. Yeah. So we'll see her next episode. Yeah. But I just thought so, it was wild. No Femi go Do fame. you have six squares covered? I have two, four, six, eight. You have eight? Yeah. What the fuck? What am but I? I missing? don't have a bingo. Yeah. So another, I mean, none of us have bingo, so it's okay. But why do you have eight? I have. John David, Joseph Speak, phone belt clip. Um, there was an art girl Johanna visit. moment. When? When um, maybe it wasn't. I could have sworn it was Johanna. No, we did not have a Johanna moment. I think you're. Confusing. It was just her getting chased around. Never mind. No, there's not an art. No. Yeah, there isn't an art girl Johanna moment. It was just her being chased when Jackson got yelled at. I have six squares, but that's including a pick a uh, free square in the middle. <laughs> I have a pickle, so we have doctor visit. Yep. Tight lip lock. Yep. Joseph or JD speak. Yep. Um. Duggars dine out. Phone. There was clip. pickles on the bus I when they were showing all their snacks. Oh, I didn't catch that. Um. Dugger time and Duggars dine out. Yeah. And there wasn't any ginger face. I feel okay. like there was a debatable ginger face. So the best I have is four across on a free, but no bingo. Yeah, I have three across on a free, so. No bingos right. this time. No bingo. I forgot to ask the people what we do when we get a bingo. So it's okay because we didn't get a bingo this week. So we mm-hmm. still have time to figure it out. Yep. And I will. And you will never take away that I had the first bingo. Yeah. We'll be back for a deep dive. <laughs> so today we are going to dive deeper into the story of our man, the man, Tony. <laughs> So we first introduced Tony back in episode 41 Mm -hmm. when I covered the 1980 scandal involving both Bill and his brother, Steve. If for some reason you've been jumping around and you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend going back and listening to that episode first so you have a better context of the significance of Tony. Mm -hmm. So in episode 41, I really tried to keep it on track with the scandal itself, but I quickly realized that getting into Tony's story more is not only interesting, given Mm -hmm. that he was a whistleblower, but also because Tony's story inherently shines light on Bill Gothard himself, his incredible hypocrisy, and further highlights how he operates when faced with any kind of opposition. Not used to that. Nope. So my main source for today is the website Recovering Grace, which, like I said in the last episode will in the future be its own deep dive someday. This website has an overwhelming amount of information on all of this, including copies of actual documents. It's really a treasure trove, but like I said, it's almost overwhelming 
with mm. how much there is. Right. I spent hours just reading through every single document before I could even begin to sort of distill it all down and break it up into two different right. deep dives. So it's a lot. But today's uh, so Tony's story with IBLP starts all the way back in 1967, and kind of like I did in the other episode. At this point in time, it was Institute uh, in ba- Basic Youth Conflicts, but just mm-hmm. for the ease of things, I'm just going to say IBLP I mean, yeah. throughout the whole thing. So it's in September of 1967 that Tony first meets Bill Gothard when he's a student at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Another. If, if I make my, I prefer my Bible uh, school's not Moody. I like oh. some consistency. Got you know, it. The mood swings are just way too much. Too much to handle. Yeah. So after meeting Bill, Tony begins attending the seminars, and he's spreading the word amongst his peers and friends and gets them all to start attending these seminars. Okay. So now we're going to fast forward to 1973, and Tony is living in Denver, and this is when he begins working for IBLP for the first time. Okay. So Tony's own home becomes sort of like a like a makeshift IBLP office. And this is where the first ever video seminars begin. Ooh. So it sounds like Tony really got the word out and he marketed hard. <laughs> he was drinking that Kool-Aid. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Because that first seminar had 10,000 attendees. Damn. And they ended up having to rent out the Denver Coliseum as the venue because early registration just kept racking up. And then they had to like cut off registration weeks in advance of the date. And this is in a time where... seventy-three. That's not like widespread information sharing wasn't easy, isn't wasn't as easy as it is today. Because remember when I said like the peak IBLP was like Mm -hmm. 1983, we're 10 years before their peak. Yeah. And they're hitting 10,000 at a seminar. This is like, oh, so yeah, not good. So then in 1974, Tony ends up being moved to the IBLP headquarters, which is in Oak Brook, which is in Illinois. Okay. Where he took on several roles. He worked as an assistant to Gary Smalley, which just to give you a little context, I don't, I can't remember if I actually said Gary Smalley by name last time, mm-hmm. but just to give you, I, I did mention his, him in a way. Okay. Um, he was one of the men who urged Bill to do something about Steve that kept going to him and then he was just like, give me time. Mm. So he was one of those men. And then also Gary's wife was the person who the second secretary confided in about stuff. Okay. So, Tony, so in his multiple roles, one is to be an assistant to Gary Smalley. And then he also worked in prison ministry, which was just them showing the seminars within prisons. Okay. But another main part of his job was serving as an MC for the new video model of seminars, which he did about 20 seminars a year. So in a 52-week year, you know what I mean? That's yeah. substantial. So previously, Bill Gothard spoke at all the seminars, but now he was only speaking at a select few, and these video ones were hosted by someone else. Okay. That that kind of became the norm at this point. So while clearly Bill Gothard is, was, and will always be the main face of IBLP, it's interesting when you think of how to thousands of people who are being newly introduced to this whole fundy world, mm-hmm. the other person besides Bill on this video that they saw was Tony. Correct. 
which I think in its own way is sort of significant. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, he wasn't president like Bill Gothard. He wasn't vice president like Steve Gothard. Yeah. He wasn't on the board of directors, but he actually, in a way, had more of a face Mm -hmm. of IBLP, of the brand, if you will. Correct. Than some of the board of directors, when you think of it in the context of like, when people were being introduced to this and being taught this stuff for the very first time, who were they seeing? Yeah. Bill Gothard on a video mm-hmm. and Tony as like the presenter. Correct. So by all accounts, up until this scandal, Tony was a devoted employee to IBLP and had great respect for Bill himself. So much so, in fact, that Tony was the mastermind behind a gift of honor for Bill. Mm-hmm. So, Bill often spoke of the importance of spending alone time with God, meditating, and studying scripture. Typical. I mean, (laughs) that's not a bad thing in general, you know, or whatever. But a story that he often told to accompany this teaching was about time he spent as a young man working for a railway. Okay. Apparently, he asked his employers if it was okay for him to sit in an old caboose to study and pray, and they said, yes. So it was in this caboose that he was able to memorize the Book of Romans in its entirety, which I guess is one of Bill's favorite books of scripture. Okay. I have a thing with the whole caboose thing. My dad, so I'm the youngest of four, and like I felt like my dad like had this like, <laughs> to like other people mm. he, like presentation that like when he would introduce me to people he'd be like and this is our caboose <laughs> so when i hear the word caboose i'm like ugh. you're like triggered like, instantly i'm like oh god <laughs> like, <laughs> caboose so between that and and lego hair's laugh, laugh this episode it's, it's a very rough. triggering episode yeah. i'm like i'm the caboose i get it <laughs> yeah, i'm the fucking caboose okay So, inspired by this story that Bill often told, in 1978, Tony gathered the IBLP staff in secret, and he presented this idea of them all memorizing Romans in his honor as a show of gratitude. But there was more to this idea, though. Okay. Tony also wanted to buy an old caboose to present to Bill as a gift. (laughs) Okay. Everyone was on board. Eh, look at that. Look at that. I see. Hold on. What did you do there? See what I did? Mm-mm. Everyone was on board and they began secretly memorizing scripture and donating money as they were able to to purchase a caboose over the course of two years. Okay. Tony was even able. This is kind of actually kind of impressive. He was able to find the exact caboose that Bill used to study and pray in. Wow. And he negotiated like price and things, and plans were put in place. Like it was a it was a go, right? It was a thing. The caboose was to be moved to the Chicago IBLP headquarters, which is um, what we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be moved there. During a week in 1980 when Bill was supposed to be away for some other engagement. Okay. So they had this whole thing like very solidly put in place. Right. And during all of this, the staff was like super excited and they would meet in secret for Tony. You know, he would give them updates and pictures of the caboose and everybody was just like really excited about it. Okay. This elaborate gift, two years in the making, 
never came to fruition because of the 1980 scandal. And just to paint you a picture of the relationship between Tony and Bill pre-scandal of 1980, I want to read from a letter that Bill wrote to Tony in January of 1979. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to full like pull um some key points in it. Okay. He starts off saying, quote, This has been a very spectacular time of a year, as I think back to January of 1978 and the major project which you so diligently worked on. <laughs> I mean, diligent. I mean, that's as good as it gets in IBLP, that's right? That's true. Yeah. Like, that's a top-tier compliment yeah. right yeah. there. That's the compliment that you yearn for. You're like, diligent. Yes. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Later, he says, quote, in many, many double, too many's, by the way, (laughs) in many, many ways, you have proven yourself a faithful man, Tony. Okay. And ends it saying, quote, thank you for your life and your continued giving to make this work go forward. So by the sounds of that letter, I would say Bill thinks highly of Tony. Yeah, get a room. (laughs) Or at the very least, as highly as a manipula- manipulative, like narcissist can think of someone, right? Yeah, yeah it's exactly. It's like he, Tony has is loyal to him. Yeah, That's about as yeah. good as it gets, right? When you're a narcissist, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, they have they're, they're fucking loyal to me. Great, I love ya. Yep. you. Yeah. What know? I love about him the most is how he does the shit that I tell him to exactly. do. Exactly. So by all I, you know, by all means, I feel like you could collectively say back in January of 1979, things were good between them, right? Yeah. Sounds like it. So that's the point of uh, reading this. So in keeping with the telling of the story of Tony in chronological order, this would be the point where you pretty much just insert the entirety of Deep Dive episode 41 right here, right? Okay, yeah. So that artist brings the concerns to Tony. Mm -hmm. Tony does an investigation. Tony presents all of his findings to the board of directors. Tony literally brings the receipts like a fucking badass. (laughs) All that jazz. And then we know that ultimately Tony was fired by John McClario mm-hmm. in July of 1980, despite previously being promised that his job was never at stake. Yep. So those those couple lines, that's the complete insertion of episode of, 41. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we're going to pick up on the aftermath of the 1980 scandal and how even after Tony was fired, Bill was not done trying to wreak havoc on his life. Of course. Color me surprised. After being fired, Tony moved back to his family farm in Kansas. So because of the mention of his family farm, this gives me the perfect opportunity to just kind of insert a... It's a side note (laughs) little story, but I don't know. I just wanted to tell it because I thought it was funny. So apparently Tony's family, they're actually hog farmers. And I guess apparently over the years of Tony working for Bill... Bill would often pressure Tony to try to convince his family to get out of that business because Bill's teachings preach the Old Testament practice of abstaining from pork. Oh, my goodness. No cloven hooves. So, fine, whatever. Eat whatever. Believe what you want to believe. Eat whatever the fuck you want to eat or don't eat. I don't give a shit. Mm. Whatever. Who cares? But it's just so funny that Bill was so caught up on what somebody else's family was doing. Right. Right. What business is is it of yours? Bill, Bill, you don't want to eat pork? Don't eat pork. Why the fuck do you care what Tony's family is doing? 
Yep. That's where it all boils down to me. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah. But he he's so caught up on it. But it's like it's like literally none of your business. It's their family mm-hmm. business. <laughs> but I'm sure it felt especially bothered, like bothersome to him. Because Tony was at that point kind of sort of like a right-hand man. Correct. So I'm sure in his head it's like making him look bad or, you know, or something right. like that. It's all about the op- optics. So anyways, this clearly had to have bothered Tony to some extent. Mm-hmm. Because at some point during 1979, I couldn't find an exact month date, but somewhere in like 1978-79, they had a guest speaker at a, a staff church service up in... um. Northwoods. Okay. So I guess that this sounded like it was a typical thing where even if somebody wasn't completely subscribing to IBLP, he liked to bring in other like theologists because mm-hmm. he thought it was kind of like, oh, look, other big names are here. Right, right, right. So that was kind of Lending his... credence to exactly. the message. Yeah. So there was this other guy here and he's a speaker at this church service. And then there ended up being a Q&A session. Okay. Tony raises his little hand. And he decides to ask this fellow theologist how he would characterize someone who taught that Christians should neither eat pork nor raise pork for others to eat. The speaker responded that he would characterize such person as, quote, a false teacher. Damn. And that's what I was. He totally (laughs) set him up where Tony was like, all right, I'm going to. Bill Gothard was sitting front row for all of this. Damn. Which I can't imagine. Didn't piss him off. Tony's fucking cold-blooded, man. (laughs) Okay, so I just want to tell you that story because I thought it was funny. But back to it. Tony, after being fired by IBLP with John McClario, Mm -hmm. moves home to his family farm July 1980. That's where we were at. So as a result of the fallout of the 1980 scandal, several lawsuits against Bill Gothard and IBLP were in the works. But for the sake of staying on track... And keeping this about Tony today, I'm not going to get into the details of the lawsuits, but I feel like you can kind of see, like, these are the rabbit holes I go down. Right. (laughs) Every time I do one deep dive, I feel like I find, like, one or two more, like, Mm -hmm. minimum. Yep. So this is why my deep dive topics list is, like, at 116 right now. (laughs) Jeez. It got all the way up to 116. Yeah. So we're not going to get into the lawsuits, but just know that there's... There's shit going on, right? As the fallout of this Steve Gothard, Bill Gothard scandal. Right. So at some point in 1981, Bill Gothard's legal team deposed Tony for over 40 hours. Kind of trying to figure out what part he had in the lawsuits to which Tony, Tony firmly and repeatedly stated he was not a part of. Damn. Here's what Tony had to say regarding this deposition. Quote, When deposed for 40 hours by Gothard's law firm in downtown Chicago, the group of attorneys were very good at grinding, testing, cornering, and playing chess with the details in preparation for later days when they hoped to catch me in some inconsistency. Mm -hmm. They asked about every keyword I had ever written, all my notes I had taken, down to every jot and tittle. I've never heard the word tittle in my life. Neither have I. Their chief antagonist was expert in the Greek and Hebrew languages. He took many scripture references I had used in my notes and comments to Bill Gothard and asked me if I knew what tense and what mood each word was in the Greek language. Oh, my God. So our man, Tony, he was 
cool as a cucumber, though. <laughs> and one of Gothard's own attorneys apparently kind of told him off to the side, off record, quote, you're doing very well. That's the crazy, like, in all those stories about him, like, it felt like he was so, and usually this term is used in a negative context, but it, he's so, like, planned and calculated. Which I feel, I'm glad you said that. You'll see in the future. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So the reason I tell you this detail is because Tony was never named in any of the lawsuits to begin with. Correct. Not even a class action suit that was being brought by former staff. Okay. And while, of course, we know depositions are meant to sort of drill and discredit you, that's Mm -hmm. the nature of it. That's the point. We get it. This kind of seemed a little extra considering the fact that he was never even a part of these lawsuits. Right. Yeah. And made many people believe that it was just a way to get back at Tony Mm -hmm. for leading the investigation that Bill, you know, against Bill that pretty much got it here to begin with. Correct. You know. So it's like because according to somebody, according to somebody with Bill Gothard's mindset, he's the victim. So Tony's the Tony's the big mean aggressor in this. Yeah, and it's like know. he's not even part of the lawsuit. It's like get off it, dude. Like just yeah. move the fuck on, you know. And you can tell your lawyers are grasping at straws when they put you through a deposition that takes that long, and then they're going through word by word and asking you about tense and intention and now you're just trying to find something. Exactly. You're you're hoping that I get tired of this and I fuck up. Yep. So that forty hour deposition of Tony was only the beginning though. Oh my god. Later that year, in September of nineteen eighty one, Bill sent out the letter. The My letter baby just wrote me a letter. The letter was originally sent to Tony's uncle. So the way that his uncle gets involved in all this, because even though Tony was not a part of any of the lawsuits, his uncle did sort of intervene and try to work out some sort of solution with Bill in relation to the staff of IBLP. Okay. And he made it known that as a last resort, he was willing to assist in the lawsuit against Bill if he didn't make things right. Okay. So so that's why this is to his uncle. Okay. So Bill sends Tony's uncle a letter dated September 5th of 1981. And it gets dramatic right out of the gate. Oh, God. With Bill saying, quote, In an attempt to help you to be more objective, I am not going to use the name of your nephew in this document. (laughs) There is also another reason for the title I will use to refer to him. It is a reminder that we are engaged in a spiritual warfare, not against people, but against, in quotations, the rulers of darkness. (laughs) In this battle, we can either become an agent of the Holy Spirit or an agent of Satan's influence or power. End quote. So for the rest of the letter, Tony is referred to as the agent Always in quotations, mind you. (laughs) The agent. So he's referred to as the agent 69 times over the course of 19 pages. Why would Bill Gothard give him a cool fucking nickname? Well, and the other thing is the only number that could have possibly been better than 69 is 666. (laughs) That's the only number that could have beat that. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yep. Like, he should have reread that and been like, oh, let me say the agent one more time to make it 70. (laughs) Uh... But of course, Bill, he won't just come right out and say that Tony is an agent of Satan. 
but rather he leaves it up to the reader to decide, saying, quote, you and any future reader of this document must determine whose agent your nephew has allowed himself to become, end quote. This Which is, to, to me, like, it feels I'm very... I'm just asking questions, exactly. energy. Exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. And it's also very kind of like his whole adoption thing. Remember mm-hmm. how he wouldn't come out and say, like, oh, I'm fucking against adoption? Of course. But he's going to rail against it and be like, and then you come to your I'm just own letting... conclusion. Yeah. You come to your own conclusion. Mm-hmm. It's that way of being like, well, I never said it. Yeah. I didn't name names. Yeah. It's God. a troll. It's a troll tactic. Back in the day, it used to be a mob tactic, where it was the they wouldn't they wouldn't kill the person themselves, but when they were on trial for it, they'd be like, "Did you kill so and so?" And they'd be like, "Well, I didn't pull the trigger." I didn't. Do <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the same bullshit. Yeah. So over the course of this nineteen-page letter. Bill basically just talks shit about Tony and cites 26 complaints. Um, excuse me, the agent. I, I'm sorry, Thank the agent. You. He talks uh, shit about the agent <laughs> and cites 26 complaints that he calls facts about oh. him. So in fact number one, Bill, he basically tries to rewrite history and act like he always knew Tony was trouble. <laughs> and that back when he first met him, when he was like, kind of interviewing him to become mm-hmm. a part of IBLP. He says, quote, he appeared to be very friendly and eager to serve God. However, I sensed in him what appeared to be a restless, independent, and troubled spirit. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> you just know. wrote a letter about him essentially jacking him off a little bit. Give me a break. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, well, I always knew he was a problem. <laughs> yeah, I know he and then it's trouble. again that, that, that problematic independence, you know, independence <laughs> strikes again. The worst. <laughs> he then goes on to talk about how Tony struggles with authority. Who struggles with authority? Uh, the agent. Thank you. <laughs> this topic. I'm trying uh, to get up to 666. <laughs> <laughs> this topic um, of not yielding to authority is pretty much the main focus of the letter. <laughs> Examples he gives of struggles with authority range from conflicts with his father. What fucking person has not had a conflict with their father, mind you? <laughs> Uh, conflicts with his father to apparently competing with his boss when he previously worked for a roofing co- roofing company before being hired at IBLP. Which I just think this is like a fucking weak ass argument. Like it's it fucking absolutely weak. is. <laughs> then for a while he rails on f- for several facts, which I'm using quotations for, guys. <laughs> facts in what for me. Like, I interpret as Tony being a very thorough, fast, and hard worker. Mm -hmm. Possibly even diligent, if I do say so myself. Well, if uh, Bill said so himself, too. He said in that letter. I mean, so it's like, you know, I think, I don't know. So, he tells a story of when Bill was working as an assistant to Gary Smalley, like I mentioned earlier. Mm Mm-hmm. So Bill pretty much tries to paint this picture of Tony in this like really negative light. When at worst, absolute worst him, maybe Tony was kind of fucking annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Bill says that Gary didn't like all of Tony's questions and lists (laughs) and felt so overwhelmed by them, he just couldn't get his own work done. 
No wonder you and you no wonder you like the agent. Oh, so much. keep going. I'll keep going. So finally, one day he assigns Tony a massive project that he thinks will take at least two weeks to complete. So like kind of to, like, like get, get this guy away get him from off me for his a while, back, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, Tony, the agent. Thank you. He came in the very next day and he puts the completed assignment on his desk. Apparently, he had stayed up all night to finish this project. And when Gary asked Tony why he did that, supposedly he said, quote, I wanted to teach you that you couldn't get rid of me so easily. (laughs) The funny part is that when I read that story, I did chuckle to myself as you just chuckled, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of funny. And then the next thing that Bill says is, quote, this might be humorous if it didn't illustrate the methods the agent has been using during the past 18 months. He had developed endless and notes, and I just want to point out that Bill puts notes in quotations. He had developed endless notes and questions and demanded that the board and I stop the ministry until all of his lists are worked to his satisfaction. Got to take care of them lists. But it's kind of funny, though, because what the time that he's referring to is when all this shit was going down with the scandal. Correct. And, oh, fuck Tony for being like, you know, we need to kind of put a put a pin in things mm-hmm. until we figure this out. Fuck Tony. Yeah. But also. The agent. Thank you. <laughs> I want to point out that Gary ended up later telling Tony that after Gary personally read this letter, he was like, this was a grossly exaggerated and twisted to his own thing. So the what I'm getting is that at some point, Gary probably did tell Bill. Mm-hmm. This guy's kind of fucking annoying. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and he's taking that and running this, with a, This authority thing, you know, whatever. So he was just like, mm, I did tell him stuff, but like, this is not. I didn't tell him like, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now, um, so just in general, kind of piggybacking off that, my take on this is that there's probably truth in this. I can definitely see this being Tony's personality, just because it pretty much lines up with what we've heard already. Okay. The way he came prepared with the receipts in our last deep dive. He had all of his stuff perfectly lined up and like ready to go. I think that he's probably a very exacting personality. Mm-hmm. who won't let people get away with shit. Yeah. So when his boss was trying to get rid of him, he was like, I'll show you. He you seems know? like a cover his ass type yeah. person. Yeah. And even with the story with him being uh, like asking the questions about his parents and their raising of pigs to that speaker. Yeah. It all kind of tracks to me that when Tony wants to make a point, like he makes that point. That's correct. <laughs> like, yeah. So to me, none of this might is I, I can see it. He might be annoying. I don't know. Yeah. But none of that fucking matters here. Like, yeah. none of that. Cool. And the part that I find especially funny is that these are all probably qualities and characteristics that they actually really liked him about him before. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Being very thorough with his work, for example. Mm-hmm. But now that it's pointed in a direction that would go against them. Yeah. Now, instead of just being annoying, a little annoying, mm. you know, now it fucking pisses them off. Right. And now they're going to paint these character flaws. As like, like they're now they're character flaws. They're not just like little annoyances. That's correct. Suddenly, lots of notes with uh, quotations because of Bill. Notes and lists are a sign of like being a problem all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> 
just so funny. Yeah. So, in fact, number eight of this letter, Bill recounts how Tony was assigned to work under Steve Gothard, which we know from the 1980 scandal. Mm-hmm. But apparently, Tony kind of felt like Steve was ignoring him. So, some other guy by the name of Joe agreed that Tony... He agreed with Tony, and he mm-hmm. said that eh, maybe Steve isn't giving you kind of like a chance. So Joe ended up kind of taking over, directing Tony and giving him tasks and assignments. Okay. Bill cites this as yet another example of the agent competing with authority. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot, every, let's be real. A lot of the things that Bill Gothard has put out there have made me go, oh. <laughs> so... <laughs> He ends this fact with the lines, quote, At first, Joe patiently responded to his questions and lists, but soon became totally frustrated. He concluded that it was impossible to satisfy him and gave up. Wow. I just think it's really funny that Bill Gothard thinks Tony, like, maybe being a little annoying, you know, mm-hmm. a bit of, to work with. Yeah. Is somehow some big evidence right. <laughs> against him and his moral character. <laughs> like telling everyone he likes lists and asks a lot of questions. Horrible. Is isn't exactly the expose you think it is, Billy yep. Boy. Like it's yep. not like what do you think this is? You're trying real like, hard. He asks a lot of questions. <laughs> you know, did you see the lists he made? If I had pearls, I would be clutching them right now. It's just such an odd thing to harp on as evidence when you're, like, calling him an agent of Satan. Right, right. <laughs> he makes listen ask questions, agent of Satan. Awful. It's fucking wild. <laughs> I mean, the fact that I have this podcast alone, I feel like definitely Bill is enough for Bill to think I'm an agent of Satan as it is. But if he knew how much lists like rule my entire day-to-day life true true he would throw me in the bonfire with the cabbage patch dolls yeah he couldn't i mean i don't know it's worth the list worse the list or the questions it's it's a question see that that's in itself a question which is a problem it's all a problem i'm not mad that you ask questions to expose you know things that are bad i'm mad that you're pointing that at myself exactly like, I guarantee you he wouldn't have problems if the agent was making lists about pork farmers, mm-hmm. you know, or asking questions there. But yep. it's the fact that it's pointed at him, you know. Yep. So the rest of the letter and the complaints or facts, which I say with quotations, <laughs> they're, not, they're not super worth getting into. It's just him refuting parts of the investigation and saying things like how the agent has a method of getting people to be loyal to him by discrediting his authorities. Oh, is AKA, that what it is? we have to come up with a spin on how, like, why everyone saying to Tony like a fucking bird during mm-hmm. his investigation can't possibly be that people trusted him and were eager to share Correct. what they knew or had been through. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. It's all because of his method of discrediting authority. That's why. So Correct. Yeah. So, Tony's uncle, he responds to Bill Gothard in a letter dated the 22nd of December, oh, September, I'm sorry, in 1981. Okay. So, just later that month. So, his response is rather direct and to the point, consisting of bullet points, and it's only two pages long. 
Okay. Which, remember, in contrast to 19 pages, it's <laughs> short. So I'm only going to read you the opening line and the first bullet point. Okay. But just based off these two things, I think you will definitely get a vibe for the how <laughs> the rest of the letter went. Okay. He starts off saying, Bill, having read your hysterical letter several <laughs> times before sending it to my attorney, I have a few remarks and questions. Number one, I hope you have a complete understanding of the considerable difference between the word fact and opinion. Men of far greater ability, intelligence, and experience than you and I battle over that issue every day. You can tell that, like, needled Bill with the fact that he was just kind of making fun of him from the beginning. Yeah. So, while this letter was written to Tony's uncle, he also sent it to several other people, including Tony's parents. The cover letter that Bill wrote to his parents is, it's just gross because it's dripping with disingenuous concern Mm -hmm. as a form of manipulation. Right. So, here goes. Quote, it distresses me very deeply that I must send a copy of the enclosed document to you, or you could just not, you know, that's an option too, or that I even had to compile it. I want the best for Tony, and it is quite obvious that the longer he pursues these objectives, the greater will be the consequences to himself and to the cause of Christ. You have always been such an encouragement to me and to the ministry. Minus those pigs you raise and eat, of course. Of course, like what you use to pay your bills. Yes. Um, I can't believe that you have really known what has been happening and continues to happen. Which, like, isn't that just fucking maddening? It's like, I'm going to tell on you to your parents, but make it sound like I'm just so concerned about you, your poor family, and above all, the cause of Christ. Yeah. Like, if Tony continues on, what's going to happen to the cause of Christ? If he just did what I told him, there wouldn't be any problems. Exactly. In addition to his family, the letter was also sent to over 50 other people, including various pastors and churches. Bill even went as so far as to fly two men that were a part of IBLP, mm-hmm. fly them over to Kansas to meet with the pastors and the elders of Tony and his family's lifelong home church, where these men just basically completely smeared Tony oh, to yeah. the elders. It's a strong arm tactic. Yep. As a result of this meeting, Tony was excommunicated from his church. And if that's not enough, you know, it gets even more sad because Tony's own family asked him to move away. Wow. So that their family business could survive, fearing that, you know, if he was still around, the scandal wouldn't die down and Mm -hmm. their livelihood would be at stake. So there's a part of me that's like, I understand when your livelihood comes into question, you people do things. But also I'm like, this is your fucking son, man. Yeah, like, you no know, kidding. there's such like a mix here where I'm like, that's fucked, like yeah. in a lot of ways. So because Bill has had also sent this letter out to various churches and pastors, Tony was essentially blacklisted and couldn't work in ministry, which going to Moody Bible, that right. is what he was, you know, mm-hmm. that's the realm he was trying to work in. Right. So Bill pretty much set out to destroy him. And at this point in time, He was kind of succeeding at it. 
completely turned Tony's life upside down, cost him his job, basically got him kicked out of his own hometown and church. Jeez. He was kind of succeeding. Yep. Volunteer lawyers at the time told Tony that this letter of libel could easily win him a settlement. Like, they were telling him, like, you could, you know, you could really do something with this. Yeah. But Tony, he opted not to do anything about it and instead to trust in God. So he didn't really fight back at this point in time. And he just kind of went about his life, laid low, flew under the radar. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of it for many years. But the story doesn't end there. Okay. That's good. Bill... But it's Bill Gothard. He's the one who couldn't leave it alone. Not Tony. For whatever reason, he decides to reach out to Tony on December 1st of 2008. So think of how long this is later. It's a long guess. Bill said that he wanted to pursue the possibility of reconciliation and asked what it would take to clear up any offenses that Tony felt on his end. Tony tells him that, well... There's actually several offenses <laughs> mm-hmm. to which Bill responded, well, let's start with one. To, as you can imagine, to- Tony's reply was pretty much, well, like, 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 let's start with that 19 page piece of shit you wrote about me. Right. <laughs> it's pretty much what Tony says. And just get ready for Bill's response. I don't, I don't know if it's complete delusion lying through his teeth or Mm -hmm. combination of the two but bill responds with quote i have never written such a lengthy letter in my life Hmm. complete denial but in typical tony fashion he comes right back at him with the facts he rattles off the date of the letter the official letterhead it was on his signature, and um, something I didn't mention earlier, but in addition to that letter to Bill Gothard signing it, the sort of, like, pastor of a church that was supposed to kind of be deemed, like, Bill Gothard's church. So it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, like, almost as if, like, Bill Gothard still has an authority. Look at this pastor of this church. A pastor signed off on it. So he was just like, here's the letterhead, here's the date, here's your signature, here's this pastor's signature. Wow. Throwing out the facts at him. Yep. So, faced with these facts, Bill's reply is, what was so offensive about the letter? (laughs) So, Tony, he's basically like, well, you fucking called me an agent of Satan, you asshole. (laughs) Which might be slightly ad-libbed on my part, but but that's basically what he says, where he's just like, "Uh, you called me an agent of Satan. Yep. So, um, Bill said, I would never write such a letter. And then asked him to fax over this letter, um, you know, that he says doesn't exist. But he's like, fax it over. He's hoping he had lost it in that time period. (laughs) But Tony opts instead to mail it to Bill along with some other people. And once Bill received it, he ends up calling Tony back. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's his response. Okay. Bill ends up saying that every point in the letter was true and that he could actually add on even more evidence to the already lengthy letter. Oh, my God. This letter that five minutes ago he said he never wrote. Never mind, wrote, yeah. Mind you. Like, so did you write it or now you're <laughs> just like you're all over the fucking place, yep. man. That's still not the end of it, though. Bill reached out to Tony again in 2013 But this time, we have emails going back and forth because 
you know, it's 2013. Now Bill is a 21st century digital boy. So we have these email exchanges. And he once again expresses a desire to reconcile. Part of this, he says, requires clarifying the record, which leads Tony to responding directly to the 26 facts stated in the original letter. (laughs) I don't feel like it's really worth getting into because we know the facts to start with. You know what I mean? Like, we know. It doesn't really matter. So Bill, he starts asking for evidence of some of these things, which Tony had already done. Mm-hmm. All the way back in 1980, when he originally conducted his investigation, compiled all the evidence, and presented it to the board in that long-ass meeting that mm-hmm. we had talked about. So none of this is new information, but Bill likes to play dumb, as we just saw with him acting like he never even wrote the letter, but suddenly yep. it's all true and he can give more. Of course. <laughs> so he loves to play dumb. So they're just kind of stuck in this like loop of fuck. And after Tony presents it all again, things just kind of fizzle out. Go figure. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the end of it. It's like, well, you know, I want to reconcile, but but give me some facts. And it's like, well, here's the same facts I give you fucking 30 years ago. Right. I've already done Nothing. This. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he yeah. just kind of fizzles out. So here's what Tony has ha- said since about his time with IBLP. Quote, I, for one, bought into the overall scheme of the doctrinal distortions of IBLP. I have to deal with that in my community regularly. And it's like people asking him, um, how could you have agreed and promoted so enthusiastically what was so rotten and contrary to the scriptures? You knew better. My only defense is that I eventually did come to my senses and saw the conflict between the seminar teachings and the scriptures and began to push back. Mm -hmm. My practice today is to agree with all who complained to me personally that I indeed was caught up in a religious system that was in conflict with the grace of God by faith, so that the promises of God are counted as the only reliable source of life and instruction. That's like hardcore... Um, like religious shade, which I feel like that's what he's saying is like the best you can do at that point. Mm-hmm. Yep, I was. Yep. Now I'm doing different mm-hmm. because I, I sometimes I feel like people get caught up in like people who once were a part of something having to do some grand gesture. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Right. Where it's just like, like answer for it. Yeah, where it's like it, they're like, "Yep, I was in it. Now I'm not." <laughs> like, you right. know, I don't know. So. I can appreciate that he's just like, my job now from here on out is just to regularly answer to, yep, that's what happened, and here's where I'm at now. Because it's like, what else do you want? What's the next step Tony is supposed to say? He exposed what he saw. He's out of it now. Yep. Yeah, I once was a part of this. But, you know. And that argument with Bill Gothard was never going to be fruitful. They were never going to solve anything. There was never going to be a point where Bill was going to be like, you know what? Yeah, it was a real piece of shit. There was, it was always going to end in them just going back and forth. Once again, it's trolling behavior. It's how do I keep this going back and forth until he gets frustrated enough to leave? It's just funny that he, Bill, is the one that resurrects it again. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like you could have like... Yeah. All these years passed and it's like Bill who was like, I want to reconcile. What what was it in him that was like, I want to reconcile? Like this had faded to a point where he didn't ever have to address it again if he didn't want to. 
But think about it at that point if he comes out and he says, hey, I want to reconcile. And then the agent comes out and blows up at him or does more shit publicly. Bill Gothard comes out looking clean. And unfortunately, because recency bias, you're going to hit a point where you're going to look. People are going to look at that situation. If that's what happened, they're going to look at that situation and they're going to go. Bill Gothard tried to reach out the olive branch and the agent slapped it out of his hand. So then what they're going to do is they're going to transpose that mindset onto the situation that happened way back when and be like, Tony's always been the asshole. Which I totally, I totally get what you're saying. But at that point, what is the point of even touching it again if it's not even a thing? I would try to reconcile if Tony on his own was bringing it back up. You know what I mean? You'd mm-hmm. be like, okay, that would make more sense where he's like, now I'm going to try and make things cool. Why after all these years did Bill bring it up? I still find that odd. I just feel like he has nothing to lose. I do. I don't I don't think Bill Gothard has anything to lose at that point. I just feel like what was the point? Because it could all stay under, under wraps. And the mm-hmm. only way that it could come to light is Tony bring it to light the way he did. Right. All it, if it didn't turn out perfectly the way Bill wanted, he just kind of like disrupted something that could have just never been. Yeah, you're also not looking at it through the lens of a religious zealot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Somebody yeah. who's surrounded himself in a cocoon of people that just feed into his bullshit, and nobody tells him he's wrong, and he can bury problems, and like you're dealing on a whole other level of of justification of shit. That so it's like all these years later, normal people have to deal with, and so like these- it comes up from like like lawyers, like large companies that sue smaller companies or like smaller people. At the end of the day, they're not trying to get to a fruitful revolu- resolution. They're trying to make it where these people that can't afford lawyers for that long just quit. You know what I mean? It's just like so long. I just I still. I I get what you're saying, but I just do not understand why all these years later, when you could have, you came out on top, you won. Mm-hmm. Why are you even fucking with it? Yeah, thirty years later, because you do now. If he's kept quiet all these years, bringing it up again, if it doesn't end in the peaceful way that you wanted, now is he's more likely to come out to the public, which is exactly what he did, which was releasing all the documents. Right. It's just a funny mindset where yeah. it's like, is it just because all these years later you just wanted that one person to, to like, <laughs> get in line? Like, all these years yeah. later, was that important to you? Or, like, what is it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. So, I just thought I'd give you a tiny snippet into what Tony did with his life after IBLP. He's worked in a variety of jobs over the years, ranging from processing hospital medical waste to being the director of a company that manages non-cash gift gifts for nonprofit organizations. Okay. To the present, where he owns his own ca- carbon fiber remanufacturing business. Okay. So he's done a variety. <laughs> Think about it. He was like roofing and in construction. Yeah. Then he was an IBLP, and then he did like a million things. Yeah. He's had a million lifetimes career. Congratulations! You got a degree, and you're not doing anything around that degree. You're like most of the people that go to college. Yep. Yeah. He uh, couldn't work in theology like he originally mm-hmm. imagined because he got blacklisted. So he's like, let's work in medical waste in a carbon yeah. remanufacturing. Good on him. You got to hustle. Yep. But he's also written a book called Twenty Seven Seconds 
which is an adjustment of the Lord's Prayer using modern language and things like that. Uh, And his website also lists that he has another book called My Near-Death Experiences coming out at some point, but there's no date. Hmm. And that is the pre- and post-1980 scandal story of Tony, the agent of Satan. They gave him such a cool nickname. Right? It's like, I want to be the agent of Satan from the Isle of Man. (laughs) Like, isn't that a fucking cool-ass name? I wasn't born on the Isle of Boy. Was born on the Isle of Man, and you're the agent of Satan. What a fucking cool name! <laughs> so, if anything, Tony got a really cool nickname. Mm-hmm. He-, he won. I I wish we could put licensed music on here because I'd put Secret Agent Man as the theme. Secret Agent Man. <laughs> but I would just say that the hi- hypocrisy of all of this is—it's never surprising. But it's always astounding. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's the best way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. Not surprised, astounded. Right. Because if you remember when it's about him or his institute, all of this that he just did, this would be considered giving an ill report of a person. Right. Just mm-hmm. gossip. Gossip. Yep. Don't talk about it anymore. But he gets to slander someone, cost them their life. By, you know, costing them their job, getting them basically kicked out of their hometown, costing them future work opportunities. But that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's not, you know, that's not a report. That's not gossip. It's fine. Because, you know, Bill Gothard, you know, man of God over here. So (laughs) it's fine. Also, it was really interesting to me how Bill conveniently likes to forget things. Mm Mm-hmm. When he was just like, I never wrote a letter of that yeah. length in my life. Right. It feels eerily similar to a certain Jim Bob Duggar <laughs> when he was on the stand for the pre-trial proceedings for Pest. Um, and I've only told you about this briefly, but just like suddenly he mm-hmm. couldn't recall things. Like when they were talking about of some of the stuff with the Holtz and the conversation and the sending away, yeah. well, he's just like, well, I don't know. Yeah. It's like all these people, it's like suddenly they're just like, well, I don't remember doing that. All of a sudden your memory's real bad. Real bad. I also, you know, and the other thing that kind of hit me was when I was telling the story about that, that big gift that Tony had planned with all the staff. Yeah. The memorization and the caboose. caboose. Um, It just, it kind of put me in a place for a moment. So they never got to give that gift because that scandal, right? Right. But just think of where those people were mentally to think so highly of him that they Mm -hmm. were willing to spend two years of their life donating money and studying an entire Mm -hmm. book of scripture. And then the way things played out with the scandal where he lied, was vague, Made it about, you know, just like treated them shitty where Mm -hmm. it was just like, you're not allowed to talk about this anymore. Yeah. Like, just think of like the mind fuck for those who weren't just following him blindly and actually took took note of what was happening, which we know was a lot of them. Because think of remember how it was like 75 percent of them were gone by the end of the year. Right. Between leaving or being fired. Mm hmm. If you were fired, it was because you're showing some form of opposition. Correct. And if you left on your own, probably because of the same thing. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting to think that at that point in time, there were a lot of people who were probably like flabbergasted or were they're right. like, what the fuck is this? This man that we thought we respected mm-hmm. and look at 
what's happening now. So yep. to go from one extreme to the other, to have this big elaborate thing planned to mm-hmm. all of a sudden being like this, like to really learn for the mask to fall and right. to really be like, oh, this is who he is. Yep. I imagine that was pretty, pretty big, like mind fuck for people. Mm-hmm. And think about the people that stayed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's even worse for them that... Not for them, but it's even worse kind of thinking about them. Because they... This person that you held in such high esteem showed that they think so little of you and the people that are kind of in your same level there. And of abuse and And of their own actions. And you still Mm -hmm. stay. Yep. Yep. So it's like that whole time was a very telling time, whether you learned something that was shocking Mm -hmm. to you and you were affected by it and left or were forced to leave. Right. Or you looked past it and decided to be like, it's fine. Yep. Oof. It's just such a key turning point. Mm-hmm. Not that we all know that the the tenets and the beliefs of IBLP the entire time was problematic. Yep. But I feel like you can definitely pinpoint this time in history where you were like, oh, this is where people decided to either look the other way or not. Yep wild yeah so yeah that's the agent the agent at least he got a cool nickname he's really fucking cool and he's learned a lot of different trades so good on him yep the agent yeah and like i was looking at his like website for his business like i found all this like stuff i found so it's like i had a hard time finding pictures of him during iblp in in episode 41 i have one picture of him with bill gothard which i'll probably use again because it's the only one i have of him from his iblp days but i have tons of pictures from him post as like today as like an older man it's just so funny to look at him be like that's the guy you know (laughs) and even people who were writing were like all these things that bill tried to paint as like these bad characteristics mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, maybe like i said maybe him being fucking annoying or whatever right. but they're like those were all things that they're like we even see like he matured mm-hmm. but they're like those are all things that we even see today where he's really detailed they're like he'll answer an email original like at first and say like i'll get back to you with like a short email and then he answers like in three pages right which is kind of very much me but mm-hmm. um but they're like, that's who he is. He's a person who's like detailed and right. yeah. So it's like, I totally am on of the idea that you liked all that shit until you didn't. Until it was pointed at you. Exactly. Yeah. So suddenly it's a problem. And I used to have, and this is, the stuff going on was not nearly what this story just it's had. CD. <laughs> but um, I used to work for a company and they were. They the way they treated their employees was very odd because it was that thing of like what have you done for me lately what can I get out of you um, but then when you needed something from them as a company they were so like hurt by the fact that you would ask for f- four days off in the middle of season or you know what I mean and it was just it was such a shitty way to have your company make you feel. And they had employees a lot because they did really cool things and you could get a lot of hours and you could make money. But it was like they just treated you so badly. And when people would choose to leave, even if it was for a good reason, like a... Dead. 
Yeah, even if it was like, hey, I got this really good opportunity. It's in this home st- in my home state so I can be by my family. It was that they were that person was dead to them because of what you did. And then what we realized is that they were there was a couple like high profile people that they had that they had poached from other companies. So it's like you're mad because this person's leaving for something better, but then you're poaching people from other companies. Yeah. Like hypocrisy. Yeah. Yep. So. So yeah. So yeah. It, it's just the. I think what you're getting at is the. It's all good until it's not. Correct. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And we and from the company that I worked with kind of gained a reputation in the in the city. And other people in the industry will kind of be like, yeah, you're you're kind of their guy until you're not. Like, that's the ongoing thing. Mm, you know yep. I mean? Sounds a little culty. Yeah, little it bit. really is. <laughs> and, you know, there was an article that came out um, like five years ago that had the owner of that company and like four people that are high profile now that came up in it. And I remember looking through it. And my boss at the time showed it to me and he was like, you know, it's funny. They're showing these four people and how much they love this person. And he was like, there's a line of about 700 people behind him that wouldn't piss on him if he was on fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, so, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yep. But you got anything else? Nope. That's it. I just thought I I just felt like after that other deep dive, deep dive when I found out stuff about Tony, I was like, let's talk about Tony again. Because I yeah. felt like his story. Who? Again. The agent. Thank you. Every time. It's it's interesting <laughs> anyway, but it's just it shows how fucking vindictive. Oh yeah. Bill is mm-hmm. so it's like when you tell these other people's stories, it's telling him. You yeah, know, at the same time. Definitely. So, um, obviously, at the beginning of the season, we um, offered um, a subscription or a membership um, through Buy Me a Coffee to. Um, Provide us a little bit of support, you know, and I just wanted to say that thank you so much kind of for all the people that have reached out. We've had a lot of a lot of cool little conversations and interactions. And my favorite one today was uh, um, they referenced Mildred as the patron St. Mildred. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so, so lastly, I just wanted to say thank you for everybody who has signed up for that membership we appreciate your support um we did post the episode our little mini-sode which was pretty cool we've gotten some comments on there and i just wanted to i sent a message out and i wanted to say you know if we can shout out anybody that kind of on here that enjoys listening and so i have a little list of our new members um a couple we wanted to say hi to that they were willing to be shout if you haven't said you want to be shout out you can still be shouted out these are just the ones that have so far said that they could that be. is correct yeah so just just a little shout out uh jen from satan's taint arizona a local <laughs> if that's not a local i don't know you know she yeah. understands oh yeah it's starting to feel like that already uh shout out to kira from iowa Kristen from Lakewood, Colorado. Love our Colorado friends. Jen from Southern California. Meredith from Montana. But you're not Dithy. We will not do that. You are Meredith. You are are not Dithy. Yep. Uh, Shout outs to Kara, our friend Kara. And then... Can I say Kara real quick? Yeah. I know for a fact that this Kara is local. And that I went to high school with her. Oh, that's so funny. And you, you, you guys have probably seen it. There's a meme that's like, 
who is that person from high school that you didn't really know, but you're oddly supportive of each other? <laughs> that is Kara. Nice. Because she listens to the pod, obviously, is Love a it. membership uh, mm-hmm. person. and But she's also bought in vintage for me probably like three times now. Oh, and that's... one point when she was picking up her stuff, she left me packing materials at my door. That's which true. Which is like fucking VIP shit right there. <laughs> so I feel like she is the epitome of like that person you didn't really know in high school, but you know who the person was. But like Absolutely. suddenly like we're in our 30s and you're like, yeah, I got you. So yeah. Thank you, Kara. That's awesome. And it was good packing material, too. U-line paper. I'm still using it. It's great. Thank you, Kara. And then the last but not least, we do have a friend from a while back. It's Rouse Dower. Fellow content creator of the Duggars. That's correct. And so we're shouting out our friend Christine from New Jersey. So, yep. Those, uh, if you still, if you're a member and you want to be shouted out, let us know. Yep. Those are just who responded so far. So, as usual, feel free to buy us a pickle. You can buy us a monthly pickle or a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash diggingupthedug. Send us a message at diggingupthedugers at gmail.com. Enjoy our episode visuals and polls and other Mildred-related shenanigans on Instagram at at diggingupthedugerspod. And if you want to send us some snail mail, we do have a P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona, 85312. All right, that's so, it for this week. Have a wonderful week, and oldie but moldy, don't be a selfish piñata. <laughs> <laughs>